O God, bless us this day with your Holy Spirit. Let it pour out upon us and strengthen our faith as we read your word and study your ways. As the Holy Scriptures are read, let the words we speak ring true and our thoughts be devoted to you. Let all that we do be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Now when the human one comes in his majesty and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Get away from me, you terrible things. Go into the unending fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. I was naked and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or in prison didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you that when you haven't done it for the least of these, you haven't done it for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today begins the first of a three-part series on discipleship. And we are looking at discipleship in three G's. That we're going to be looking at three G words. We're going to start with go, and then we're going to go to give, and then the last one's going to be gather. And we start with go, because we have to go out and do. And the other two are almost meaningless without the first. We hear a rather familiar scripture today, one that most people hear in Sunday school as a child, and you hear it over and over again. And I think sometimes we miss the bigger picture surrounding it. That Christ calls us not just to do the things that he lists, but he lays the foundation for the type of life we are to live. We could add to this list almost endlessly. Because it's not just about feeding the hungry, and it's not just about clothing the naked. Though those are important things, we could add to this list. I was without a car, and you gave me a ride to the doctor. I was homebound, and you visited me and brought me something to read. 
I was alone, and you saw me and comforted me. I was a refugee, and you welcomed me to your community. We could go on and on. Because Christ lays a foundation for how we are to go out and do. That when we do these things, they are the starting blocks. And it's to teach us that we aren't supposed to just sit and wait. That we are supposed to go out and do. That what Christ commands us to do is to make disciples. And we do it by example. We do it by leading. We do it by showing people. It's one thing to say that we follow Christ. It's another to show it. And people will see what you do before they ever hear what you have to say. Too often, our response to problems starts with prayer and ends with prayer and has nothing in between. We see it frequently when we discuss difficult issues and tragedy. That one of the key phrases that people use these days is thoughts and prayers. That we hear about wildfires and we send our thoughts and prayers. And we hear about a tragedy and we send our thoughts and our prayers. And I'm reminded of something a friend once told me. He said, you know, I... I, I try to make sure that I pray for the things that I can't do. And I pray that God gives me the strength to do the things that I can. And more than anything, I pray that he won't let me mix the two up. Too often we try to do the things that we can't and we pray about the things that we can. It's important that when we pray, we follow it up by doing we go out and we do. And it may not be that we can do anything drastic. We may not be able to volunteer to go fight fires. We may not be able to volunteer to rebuild houses. But maybe we can volunteer to make the phone calls that will help gather up that can. Maybe we can go out and raise money for those causes. Maybe we can go out and speak to the things that we're not sure what to do. Maybe it even means that we go out and we discuss with somebody else how helpless it makes us feel when we can't do anything about it. And maybe when we join together and we pray together about that helplessness, God will give us a way to move forward. But it's important that we pray and then we do. Because too often we leave that step of going out and doing off. And we see here... Christ doesn't say, I was in prison and you prayed for me. He says, I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. The other thing that Christ doesn't say in this is, I was a stranger. So you ran a background check and waited until everything came back clear and then welcomed me. I was hungry, and so you gave me socks because you were afraid I was going to spend the money on booze.
We often think about the things that we want people to do with the gifts that we give. How we want people to use the things that we offer. And we're hesitant to give if we think we're going to not see that result. But it makes me think of how low somebody is to come in bed. That every time I go out and somebody comes up to me and they ask us, me, a stranger, for help. I think about how low they must be. Whether they want to spend that on whatever it is they're telling me they're going to use it on. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm willing to help that counts. Maybe it doesn't matter what they spend it on. Maybe in that moment, that loving care is the only thing that really matters. That I didn't stop to think of what it could do for me. I didn't think about how it's going to reflect on me, but I thought maybe they just need to be loved. And maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe someday they'll reflect on that and think, you know what, somebody did care. And maybe when we see that person begging for help, we think about ourselves. When we were at that lowest point and we sought mercy from Christ, I know for a fact that I have asked for mercy and forgiveness for the same thing on multiple occasions. And I know I've always found it. And I think of how sad it would be if I turned to Christ and said, Lord, I need your mercy because I have messed things up again. And he said, well, Cameron, I'd love to give you some mercy, but... I gave you some before and you completely wasted it. So I don't know if I've got any left that I can offer you. My heart sinks. And I stop and think, if Jesus Christ walks through that door right now and said, I need $5 for lunch, could somebody help me? People would have checkbooks out and they would be writing checks bigger than anything he asked for. But what if Jesus Christ walked in that door right now and it smelled like he had just come from a bar? Smelled like he hadn't bathed in a few days. Looked like he had been sleeping outside and he walked through that door and he said, can you spare some change so I can get some coffee? Would we say, come on in? Or do we hesitate? Thinking, I don't think he actually wants to get coffee so I don't know if we should offer him anything. And that's where the true challenge comes in that Christ offers us. That if we are going to show people the kind of radical love and mercy that Christ shows us, we have to be willing to see Christ in unexpected. That we see Him in the face of those who are asking for help. That when we go out, we see Him 
as the person ahead of us at the grocery store who's scrounging around for the extra $2 they need to be able to buy everything that they were trying to take home. That we see him as the woman in the parking lot trying to balance her two kids and a shopping cart, figuring out how to get them all into the the car and get the shopping cart back where it goes. That we offer help. Maybe we see him in the face of somebody as we're headed in to go get coffee and we see him sitting outside alone. And we ask, how are you doing today? You look like you need a friend. Maybe we see him in the face of the person behind the counter looking frazzled as if nobody appreciates the work that they do. And we you know, I don't know if anybody's told you, but you're doing a good job. When we see Christ in all of the people that we meet, we find the opportunity to love and be gracious. Because He's there. He's there in every stranger's face. He's there in the face of every friend, every loved one. He is there because when we love them, we love Him. He doesn't call us to be suspicious of each other. He calls us to love each other. And to do that, we have to go out. If we expect people to feel Christ's love, we have to go out and take that love to them. If we want people to experience God's mercy, we have to go out and take that mercy to them. Christ led by example in all that he did. He healed the people he wasn't supposed to heal. He ate with the people he wasn't supposed to eat with. He talked to the people he should have ignored. Why? Because he loved them. He simply loved them. But he had to go out and show it. And he left a path of love in his wake led right up to that cross. Because he didn't stop. He loved the people who crucified him. He loved the people that handed him over to be beaten and tortured and killed. He loved the people who doubted him. He loved the people who mocked him. And he didn't show it by sending them thoughts and prayers. He didn't show it by being concerned on Sunday morning. He showed it by going out and doing. I come here every week that I can be recharged. That I can come and worship and be filled with the Spirit. Let it pour over me. That I will have enough that I can go out and I can give. And I can go out and I can let it all loose. And I can let all that filled me up flow out into others until I am drained and there is nothing left. Because I know I'm coming back. I know I'm coming back to fill up again. 
We go out and do because it's what Christ has called us to do. We go out and we love all who need to be loved because Christ loved us without condition. We go out and we do because it is what Christ has called us to do as disciples. That to make disciples, we show people what it means to love. We show people what it means to care. We show them and we lead by example that they know who our example is. We go out and we live the life that Christ taught us to live. That others may learn and others may grow and that all may find hope and peace in our risen Savior. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.